Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. We're going to get right into this, and I want you to turn to your Bibles, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. And for the note takers in the room, my message is titled, Missions, the Heart of Heaven. We're going to unpack that a little bit. We're going to go straight into it. Let's read together. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. I'm going to read out of the CSB version. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. Okay, Jesus has just risen from the dead. He's like, surprise, I'm here. This is where I need you to go. And so the disciples are freaking out, not knowing what to do. And so they, whatever that man says is what they're going to do. So they are running to this place in Galilee. When they saw him, when the disciples, the disciples, you know, the 12, well, now the 11, with Jesus for years, three years, watching and seeing and knowing his heart and all that kind of stuff. They see him, and there's two groups of people that happen. It says some worshiped and some doubted. Okay, we're going we're gonna to come back to that in a minute. Some worshiped him, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Most of y'all will know this. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Most believers, most Christians will know the Great Commission. You're going to see it in Hobby Lobby on a sign, or you're going to see it in Mardell's on a, a notebook or a bookmark or anything like that. And you're going to go, okay, go and make disciples. It's so beautiful. It's so great. But what in the world does this have to do with me and Mission Sunday? And we're going to unpack that and we're going to walk through that together. Okay, Genesis 3. We're going to go back to the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis 3, story of creation. God has created man and woman. One, creation, chapter 1, man and woman, chapter 2. Chapter 3 is where the fall happens. For those of you who might not know, this is where sin enters the picture. Satan has come in, slithering in Eve. Did God really say not to eat of the tree? And she's like, well, okay. That's my quick translation of it. Sin enters the picture, right? Genesis 3. We're going to go all the way now to Revelation 21. I'm giving you like the fast track of the Bible really quick. You might even, some of this might even be familiar if you were in our kingdom culture series months ago. We talked about this. Revelation 21, the new creation. God bringing back into original order what his perfect design was, was for man and God to be close because remember, Adam, before sin entered the world, he walked with God. He talked with God. He walked among the garden, the Bible says. Sin happened, sin separated man. And from Genesis 3 to Revelation 21, God has been on a rescue mission for each one of us. Some of you have been rescued. Some of you have been found. Some of you have, might even be lost in here. I don't know. But there is a lost and dying world out there. We know that, right? We know there are lost people who have no idea of the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They have no idea that he sent his son. John 3, 16 through 17. 
We all know it. But in the CSB, I love this translation. It says, for God loved the world in this way, that he sent his only son to come and die. We know this. Everybody does. You get it tattooed somewhere, all that kind of stuff. But I love verse 17. God didn't come, didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but he sent his son to save the world. It costs us something. Sin costs us our lives, but God sent love the world in this way that he sent his most loved so that we could be loved. Think about that for a minute. Each one of you, that's not an even trade. I can't, I hate to break it to you. We got the better end of the deal on that end. And we look at this and go, okay, so I'm here even today to tell you missions is not just a check. I did a good job. Awesome. I'm a good Christian. I did this once. We're fine. Missions isn't seasonal. It's a lifestyle. That from the very beginning, Genesis 3 to Revelation 21 is missional. God has been on a mission to restore back to his original design between man and him, man and woman. You get what I'm saying? Me and God, you and God, back close again. I can't wait for this new heaven and new earth, Pastor Game. I'm pumped. <laughs> there's no crying, there's no pain, there's no sorrow. That all will be made right once more. God has been on a mission from the second sin entered the picture to rescue the lost. And we were once that too. And now so missions, we go back to uh, Matthew 28. Because you might go, okay, cool. God's been on a mission. God, thank you. You rescued me. I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind and now I see amazing grace. How sweet the sound. We can have the band come back up and sing it in a minute. But going... What, what does this have to do with me? I, I, am, I am found now, so what? Okay, we're gonna go back to Matthew 28. We're gonna look and see. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus directed them. When they saw him, okay, keep in mind, he has conquered hell in the grave. He is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. The Bible says the government rests, in Isaiah rests on his shoulders but there were still two groups of people in the room who saw this man who defeated death and some worshiped, yet some still doubted. I don't know about you and if you were in the room going, man, I can't imagine that. Well, guess what? We all would have probably been doubting too going, how did this happen? Make it make sense. If you're a realistic thinker in the room, I wanna see your hands up high. Okay, don't be afraid. I'm not gonna call you out. No, I need to hire. I need it for a minute. Give it to me. Hillary, raise your hand. Yes, thank you. Okay, you were the doubters in this story. I'm calling you out. No, I'm just kidding. Make it make sense to me, Jesus. How did this happen? Why and what? Think about that. They still doubted in the midst of their Lord and Savior who took on the weight of sin as he was hung on that cross. I'll tell you this, my sin and the weight of it would have ripped him off the cross so quick. But he stood on there, he stayed on there, bearing every single one of our guilt and our shame. Why? So that one day we can be close again. In our original design, in our original purpose, be close to our Father in heaven. And you look at that, some worship, some doubted. But then I love this, yet Jesus still came near. So he wasn't off put by that. He wasn't like, oh, you should know better. 
He knew their hearts. God knows the depths of our hearts better than we know it ourselves. He still came near to them and said, let me just tell you something. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, and you're going to be all right. Here's your purpose. Here's your identity. Here's what I want you to do. He laid it out for them. He's laying it out for us because you'll see that the great commission is not just a suggestion. It's not a suggestion at all or an afterthought for when you feel like it. The great commission is a command. It's an act of obedience. And if we don't live it out, what's the opposite of obedience? Disobedience. Think about that for a minute. But I'm scared, Hannah. I don't have enough money. I don't know what to do. I haven't, I haven't walked with God long enough. All these days, he's going, it doesn't matter. You still have a purpose. You still have an assignment. You still have an identity on this earth. Your purpose in life has a part to play in the Great Commission. Every single one of you in this room, because like I said earlier, there is a lost and dying world out there. There are people who need us to go, what you have, somebody else needs. You might be the only Bible somebody reads in their entire life. Are you living your life well? Not perfect, because nobody's perfect. We're in progress. We're just trying to do better than what we were the day before. Thank God for his grace and his mercy. You get what I'm saying? Is anybody else thankful for his grace and mercy in here? I'm thankful for it. Because without it, this girl will be in the ditch somewhere. I'm a mess without his grace and his mercy. I'll tell you that. But God in his kindness sent his son, made a way for us. Now as believers, we get to be the messengers of that hope. Think about that. Your greatest, most painful moment in your life to date. Imagine going through that without God. Imagine going through that without the Holy Spirit as your comforter, as your peace that surpasses all understanding. There are people in this world that are walking through that and we get to be those people that say, hey, let me show you the way. Jesus says, go and teach others what I've taught you. That's discipleship. Simplest way to put it. Go teach others what I have taught you. And every single one of us has a message. Every single one of us can testify of the goodness of God. In Revelations, it talks about we overcome by the blood of the lamb, Jesus Christ dying for our sins and the word of our testimony. I overcome by saying what God has done for me. I overcome by going, let overcome fear, insecurity, doubt, guilt, shame by saying, let me tell you how God is setting me free. Let me tell you what his word says is true. Let me tell you what my purpose is in life is to go and tell you the goodness of God that we've seen too many times. God be faithful this year. In our mission trips, especially. It's Mission Sunday, so I gotta stay on theme. You know what I mean? And so we've seen it too many times. I'll tell you this. There are two people in this room, Mikel and Julian. Can y'all stand up? Everybody give, it, give, it, give them a round of applause, please. Amazing. We had them come because, and I want you to go talk to them after service. I want you to ask them what their story is. Mikel comes from a single mama. She works hard. Her and her mom kick tail to provide for themselves. Mikel goes to Haiti, gets wrecked. Like I can't get rid of her. She shows up everywhere I am. And I'm going, you have your own life. But I love her so much because God has such a purpose and a calling on her life. And she saw God make a way for her. How is this going to happen? But I, she felt this need, this calling to go, man, I just got to go. 
Don't know how it's gonna happen. I don't know what's gonna, what this is gonna take. But sacrificed, fought hard for it. And now she's walking in her God-given purpose because God met her in Haiti and messed her up in the best kind of way. Because she now remembers and realizes that life doesn't revolve around her. Newsflash for all you people. And all for you either. We have to live beyond ourselves, beyond like what our life right now looks like. Because there, 1 Peter 5, go read it. Peter tells his followers in that book. You think you're the only one suffering? There's a lot more people in the world going through the same kind of suffering you are, baby girl. So don't worry. You're going to be all right. If I think Peter was here today, I think that's what his translation would have said. Go read it. First Peter 5. It's amazing. And look, Julian, that boy didn't have to lift a finger to fundraise for his trip. Because what he didn't know is he stepped out in faith, going, God, I, I need to go. Not knowing how it's going to happen. Not knowing in any way, shape, or form. How old are you, Julian? He's 18. Well, he was 17 at the time when he went to Columbia with us this year. Last Christmas, what he didn't know was he made one prayer and God was already doing 10,000 things behind the scenes. Yes. Where he said one thing, God, would you make a way for me? And he didn't even know before he even asked God was moving things around behind him. And we were able to honor him because there was somebody who called me and he doesn't know who they are and he will never know who they are and said, I need to send somebody because I can't go. I can't do that. I I can't go this year, but I need to send a student. And I thought, huh, I think I know somebody. And literally we were able to honor Julian at Christmas Eve service almost a year ago and go, because that man, that young man right there served faithfully every Sunday in our middle school service, faithfully came every Wednesday to our student services, served at our middle school and high school camps and all that kind of stuff. And we were able to go because you've built God's house. He's gonna build your house. And he didn't, he didn't do anything. And then we didn't even know this. And then that same sponsor comes back, wasn't even at the Christmas Eve service going, does he need spending money? I said, yeah, heck yeah, give it. I mean, if the Lord provides, we will not turn it away. And he was able to go. No questions about it. God placed a call of God on his life. Strong call of ministry on this boy's life. Would he have ever seen that or experienced that in another setting? Probably. But I'll tell you, he's never the same because of it. That he stepped out in faith and going, I'm never the same because I've seen God move in a way I've never even thought possible. Go ask them about their stories. There's so many more details than what what I just said. But we look and we go, I wanna make something very clear as I wrap some things up. The local, global church, the global church, let me just tell you, God is alive and well. The Holy Spirit is living, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword and his spirit is too. And we've seen and testified of the goodness of God all across the world this past year. Well, let me tell you, my faith is so big right now. Ask me tomorrow, I might have a different story. But right now, my faith is so big because I'm going, we have seen, Mikkel shared it at the earlier service, women, young women getting set free from demonic oppression and our students are praying over them. 
We've seen young, old, rich, poor, black, white. It doesn't matter what country you're from, what language you speak, your family background, what house you live in or car you drive. All link arms together going, we're gonna tell the truth and shame the devil and come hell or high waters. We're gonna see the lost found. And those two have a part to play in that. Their purpose in life had a part, has a part to play in the Great Commission. But I'll just make this very clear. The global church is alive and well, but the global church could not and would not exist without the local church. You cannot do one or the other. It's not either or, it's both and. Because what people, you, I almost called you young people. I mean, we're all young in spirit. You know what I'm saying? And so what you see in here, what Pastor Gabe, your pastors are pouring out every single Sunday in your small groups, in your next steps, in your membership classes, your young people on Wednesday or Sunday nights. Wait, when do y'all meet Sunday nights? Wednesdays, I'm sorry, whatever day you meet, all that and pouring out over and over and over again isn't just for you to keep for yourself. It's to learn what you learn in here to bring out there. That's in our communities, in your neighborhoods, that's in our state, our nation, and in the world. And going, what you learn out there, guess what? You bring back here it works together. It's not either or, it's both and. And when we see the local and the global church working together, that's when we will see heaven come. That's when we'll see heaven and earth. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Finish it on earth as it is in heaven. That's when we're gonna see that happen. It's when the local and global church band arms. It's not, oh, I'm a local church girl, let me tell you. Pastor Jacob has said this a hundred times over and I totally believe it for myself. Jesus has saved my soul, but the church has saved my life. And without being planted, the Bible says, when you're planted in the house of God is when you will flourish. And going, what we learn and bear fruit here, we go out to go feed others who are in desperate need of the fruit you have to offer. Does that make sense? So your next step might be a global missions trip. Your next step might be going, you know, I need to go through next step or I need to become a member or I need to join a small group or I need to start serving, whatever it may be, I wanna challenge you that after this service, I want you to go out to that missions table because you could easily go. I'm just telling you, everybody's first excuse is finances. You can't tell me that my God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills, who is a debtor to no man, can't provide for you when you step out in faith going, if God, God will not give you, will not, not give you the means to something he hasn't asked you to do. Now it's God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. That's where miracles happen. So you got work to do, but we want to help you for ways to fundraise, ways to start gaining support. If you can't go send somebody There's some t-shirts out there. All the proceeds for those t-shirts help to send somebody on a mission trip. Go get a sweatshirt, it's chilly outside. And it's a sweatshirt with a cause, you know? And you could do that. But I'll end you with this. When I was 18 years old, I was very concerned about what I was gonna do after high school, okay? I know I look like a scholarly genius in my blazer. And I made straight A's in high school and I had no problems and I learned every, I have a photographic memory. I can see everything. Okay, that could not be further from the truth. 
I barely made it out alive of high school. I'm going to be honest. And my parents were like, we just got to get her across that stage. We'll cross the bridge after that. Once we get there, we just got God, please let Hannah graduate. And I'm like, God, please, for the love, if you're real, help me pass this class. The whole nine yards. And high school starts to come to an end and I'm going, what am I going to do with my life? I'm not smart at all, which is a lie. It's a lie. But I believed it for a really long time. And I was sitting in my parents' office and I'm crying because I, if you haven't noticed, I might be a little dramatic, just a little bit, but I'm crying on the floor. I'm like, my whole life is over, all that kind of stuff. And my dad reminded me, he goes, when was your first missions trip? And I was like, I was 12. I was 12 years old. And he's like, what did God do? And my parents made it a point to get us on a mission trip at least once in our life. But uh, I raised the money to get on that trip. Fun fact, if you didn't know, pastors don't make six figures. So they were like, if you want to go, God's going to provide the means. You better get to work, sis. So I was like, all right, here we go. I babysat, I painted stuff to sell stuff, all that kind of stuff. And my mom had all these rocks, just this exact one on her bookshelf. Faith, hope, love was written on some peace, kindness, comfort, understanding, all that. And my dad looked at me and he's like, Hannah, you've always said from a young age, you wanted your life to mean something. You wanted your life to be an adventure. And I was like, but does it? And again, I'm just being dumb. And my dad grabs this one rock and he goes, in order to do what God has called you to do on this earth, he goes, in order to do what God's called all of us to do on this earth, he's like, it's gonna take a lot of this. And he hands me this rock. I'm showing you the backside of it on purpose. He hands me this rock and he goes, you're gonna need a lot of this. And if you know Pastor Eugene, you know he can be a little dramatic too. So he was like, and I was like, what is it? And I looked and on this rock, this is the exact rock my dad gave me. And on this rock, it says courage. In order to do what God has called each one of us on this earth to do and accomplish, it's gonna take a lot of courage. Whether it's going on a mission trip, whether it's serving locally, whether it's telling your neighbor about Jesus or inviting them to church or going, hey, let me buy you a coffee and let me tell you what God's done for me. And he can do the same for you too. Your purpose has a part to play in the great commission, but in order to walk it out, you're gonna need a lot of this. And without Christ... We ain't got it, but with him, we have it. It's his great commission. Let me tell you what you are to do. Believer, worshiper, doubter, don't worry. You're gonna need a lot of this, no matter what category you fall into today. You're gonna need a lot of courage. Here's what I want you to do. You don't have to look for it in a person, place, or job. You literally find it in him, in his word. It's blueprint right out for you. Go and tell others what God has done for you. And then I love this, his great commission. Jesus, just the way he is, he's so awesome. He gives us his great commitment to us. The very last verse, and don't forget and remember this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. He'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. He'll never call you to step out in faith and not already be waiting for you right there. I promise you that. And our team is going to be out here later after this service, after Pastor Gabe comes up after I pray, to encourage you to have some more of this because we all need it. Every second of every day, we're in a dark world, my friends. 
but there's the light of Christ inside of us to go. The same power that conquered the grave lives in me. So really, who do I have to fear? Courage. So for those in the room, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me as I pray. I'm gonna pray for courage for us. That a spirit of courage would fall on us and not just fall and leave, but fall and stay. That this would be a marked moment for each one of you to go, wait, I think God's asking me to do something. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to come and share your word. Father, I just pray for every person in this room, Lord. May a spirit of courage fall on every single person. You know what you're asking every single one of them to do and they do too. But Father, I pray for even those who might be doubters in the room, would you clarify what you're asking them to do? Would you make the pathway straight? Would you make it evident what their next step is, Father? And I just pray, Lord, Father, that as they step out in obedience, I thank you in advance for the provision, for the protection, God, and for the peace and the courage that you're gonna give each one of them. God, and thank you for your great commitment that no matter where we go or what we do, your promise stays the same, that you are with us even to the ends of the age. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, come on. Thank you, Hannah. I wanna share a few things with you before we close out our service. Um, something that I want you to know is when you go on a missions trip, God doesn't just use you to do things. God does things in you. And I know there's many of you in here who've gone on missions trips before and you've encountered seeing God move in a way that you've never seen him move. Some of you have gotten to pray for people in other countries and watch them get born again. I know some of you have prayed for people on mission trips and you've seen people healed. And a friend of mine, he, Tim Kirkpatrick, who used to be on staff with us, was, I believe it was in Haiti, prayed with a man with white eyes, blind, and they watched God heal him and his eyes come into color right in front of their eyes. So you see God do things through you but at the same time, God does things in you. When you obey him and you step out, you see him do things in you. I wanna tell you about a time when, it was a few years ago, I went on a missions trip um, with some of you in this room, I think were with me on this mission trip. We went to Santa Domingo in the Dominican Republic. And we were there visiting all of these different centers that were ministering to children in, the, in these respective areas. And many of them very impoverished. I remember showing up to one place and there was the water source for this little community was a hose pipe running from somewhere we don't even know. And it was just dripping onto steps. And I remember seeing a little boy go and get the water for his family from this little dripping hose pipe that came from where I don't know where. And we, we got to see God do incredible things. And there was one village that we went to, a little town rather, and there was a center, a multi-level multi center in this impoverished community. And I was blown away when I got there. We went there to help with a VBS and we're serving at this VBS and these kids are there and they're playing and then they start touring the facility, letting us see the facility. And on one level, it's where they had the little area where they would preach to the kids. Another level, they had an area full of plants and they were teaching the kids and the people in the community about horticulture and how to plant and how to do these different things. 
another level, and this one blew me away, there were computers. They were teaching these kids computer literacy. Now, let me just help you. This was not like the Apple computers that you have. These were like the ones Steve Jobs had when he first started. But it was something. And they were teaching these kids. And above that level, there were basketball courts and they would do sports with the kids. And in another level, there was a little place where I saw them with little babies. And they were teaching the moms in the community how to raise their kids. Because some of them probably didn't know, how do I feed my kid? How do I do this? They were teaching them with those normal life skills. And this one blew me away. There was an area where they taught, they were teaching ladies how to do hair. And it wasn't just for themselves. They were teaching them how to do hair so that they can go and start their own businesses so that they could provide for their family so that they could provide income for the community. And while I was there, I'm looking at all of this and I'm thinking to myself, these people don't have much, but look at what they're doing to touch their community. And I said to myself, why aren't we doing this? And when I left that trip, that's when we reopened the Hope Center because of what I saw on the missions trip. How many of you are grateful for what James and Candy Bertrand do at the Hope Center, St. Martinville? It began on a missions trip. It was inspired and God spoke to me on a missions trip. So I say all of that to say, listen, maybe God is calling you to go. And if he's calling you to go, go. Don't worry about How am I going to pay for it? How is this going to happen? He will provide. This is a saying that I love. God's will, God's bill. God's will, God's bill. He'll provide if that's what he wants for you. But others, you may say, Pastor, I don't, I don't, I'm not able to go, but I want to send. If you're in either one of those groups of people, I want you to go to that table outside and I want you to talk to Hannah's team about either going or sending. And let me tell you the trips that we're going to be having. In February of next year, February 18th through the 25th, we're going on a trip to Guatemala. The April 8th through the 15th, we have a trip to El Salvador. June 3rd through the 10th, we have a trip to Mexico. June 4th, I mean, excuse me, June 27th through July 4th, we're gonna be in Colombia. July 22nd through the 29th, we have a Guatemala medical trip. If you're in the medical industry and you want to help use the gifts and the skills that God gave you to go and serve people that can't afford the, the health care that we take for granted here. In October 7th through the 14th, we have a trip to Colombia. I'm going to be leading one of these trips. I'm not positive which one yet, so don't just sign up for that one. But I'm, po- I'm going to be leading one of these trips as well. So I'm going. I'm taking my oldest daughter with me. We're going on the missions field. Which, by the way, as Hannah mentioned, I'm going to be brief when I, as I say this. If you want to help your, your kids, your teenagers especially, learn to be grateful for what they have. Take them to a place where they don't have a fraction of what they have that they take for granted. Do that. So again, I encourage you, go. And if you can't go, send. If you say, I've got $25 that I want to help send somebody with, go let them know. Whoever is going will benefit and they'll be blessed by it. 
Now, before I close, I want to take a moment to just shift gears and just be your pastor for a minute. Before I close and pray, I realize that we just came from Thanksgiving season and many of you celebrated with family, but for others, this was a very heavy season for you. It's a very heavy time. And I don't want to leave this moment without ministering to you as your pastor. And there's just two groups of people in this room that I'm directly talking to. One, there's those of you who say, Pastor, I, I just feel like I got out of my rhythm and I just, I don't know, I feel like I'm in a fog. Or maybe you say, Pastor, I, I, I just, I didn't like the attitude that I saw in my heart. Or, or Pastor, I sinned in this way and I, and I just don't know what to do. Can I tell you what the Bible says? If you confess your faults to him, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all sin and unrighteousness. Don't let this past week and the things you saw in your own soul push you further away from God. Let it cause you to come and get on your knees before him. The second group of people that I want to talk to are those of you who are heavy because of grief, because of loss, because the season just, it wasn't what you expected it to be or you've missed people, I want to minister to you. And this is what the Bible says. It says, God gives us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That means that if you're heavy, he wants, instead of that heaviness you feel, he wants you to put on praise and gratitude and thanksgiving. God wants to lift your spirit this morning. Some of you need joy. You need him to restore that joy. I want to pray for you. I want you to close your eyes, bow your heads. If you're here and you say, Pastor Gabe, I'm in one of those camps. I was, I'm very heavy from this holiday season. It just was a tough time. The others feel like, Pastor, I just made some mistakes along the way this past week and it just was tough and I don't know what to do. I want to pray for you this morning. If that's you, this is not to pray to be born again. This is, I need prayer because I'm heavy. I want to pray for you. Can you please lift up your hand so I know who I'm praying with? Thank you. Thank you. Hands going up all over this place. Thank you. Praise God. Yeah, yeah. You can put them down. Let me pray for you. Father, you know the pain that we feel because you faced it. Jesus, you came. You were tempted as we were tempted. You felt grief and loss the same way that we do. You face disappointments the same way that we do. So Father, I'm coming and I'm lifting up your people, your bride to you. And I pray that you give them the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I pray you minister to them right where they're at. God, I pray that you restore to them the joy of their salvation. I pray, God, that what they've seen, what the enemy has shown them, that you would remove and replace that with them seeing you and how you've moved on their behalf and what you've done for them. And God, helping them through the difficult times, being close to them in the moments of being heart, heartbroken. God, are those moments of grief, I pray you would comfort your people. Comfort your people. You said the Holy Spirit is our comforter. Comfort your flock. Comfort your people. 
And for those, God, who felt like they've blown it, they've made it up, I just speak over them the word of God that the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up seven times. You said in your word, if we confess our faults to you, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all sin and unrighteousness. So thank you for hearing the repentance of your people and washing them clean. And I pray you restore joy to your people. Restore joy to your people. Now with no one looking around and every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm far away from God. I'm separated from him. I'm not right with him. I want to give you the opportunity to be what the Bible calls born again. As Hannah was up here talking about following him to the mission field, some of you need to begin the journey of following him by simply surrendering your life to him and being born again. Maybe your mom invited you. Maybe you're just here visiting. Whatever the reason is you're here, God is speaking to you this morning, and he wants you to begin the journey of following him. So if you're here and you say, Pastor, that's me, I want to be born again. I want to lead you in a prayer. And it's a prayer of salvation, a prayer of being born again. It's as simple as ABC. That's how we like to say it around here. A, you admit. Admit that you're a sinner. There's sin in your life that separates you from a holy God. Well, Pastor, I've, just, I've always thought this way. I've always been this way. Or these are things I've picked up in my family. Let's call it what it is. Let's call sin, sin. And let's bring that to him and admit it. Because the solution is found in B. Believe. Believe that what his word says is true. Believe that Jesus actually came and he actually died on the cross for your sins so that every sin you've ever committed could be forgiven. And then see, you confess. You confess that he is now the Lord of your life. And when I say Lord, this is what that means. It means I'll follow you. Your way is right. My way is not. If you're here this morning, I want to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of salvation to follow my king. So when no one looking around on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand because I want to acknowledge who I'm praying with to be born again, to be saved. Today is your day. God's going to change everything if you will let him and if you will follow. One, two, three. If that's you, lift up your hand. If you say, that's me, thank you, sir. I see your hand. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. I see your hand back there, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Keep it up. Keep lifted up high. If that's you, thank you, sir. I see your hand back there. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Thank you, ma'am. Praise God. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Anyone else? Thank you, ma'am. Praise God. Thank you, young lady. You can put them down. Church, pray these words out loud with me with everyone who's praying that prayer to follow Jesus. Say these words with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe on the cross that you died for my sin, for my guilt, and for my shame. I believe you faced hell so I would not have to go there. And you rose again from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on this earth, and a relationship with the Father. So I turn away from my sin. I repent of it. And from this moment on, God, you're my Father. Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. 
Holy Spirit, you're my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, come on, let's celebrate with everybody who prayed that prayer to be born again.